This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Are you a procrastinator or do you live with one? Help is very near with Christine Lee, the procrastination coach. And raise your hand if you have a bloated belly. The bloated belly whisperer is here today. You know, cauliflower is simply not for everybody's belly. First, procrastinators, let's get to work on your to-do list. And to do that, we have to get to the heart of what's really going on. And it's not about the thing you have to do. It's about how you feel about that thing you have to do. I just learned that from Christine Lee, a procrastination coach in Westchester and New York City. And Christine simply wants you to feel better. She wants you to stop delaying your joy. You will find tons of free help at ProcrastinationCoach.com. And Christine knows of what she speaks. She was once in your slow-moving shoes. Yes, indeed. I have been a lifelong procrastinator, I believe. But the funny thing is, I didn't realize that that was what my problems were rooted in until I was asked to build a workshop about the topic for college students. And in researching the issue and doing my due diligence there, I realized that all the anxiety and all the disorganization and all the mess-ups that I had been making were in part due to really severe procrastination-type habits. Is there a difference between procrastination and people who just work really well under pressure, those last-minute people that can wait till, you know, the 11th hour and then pull it off? Is there a difference between those two? I think there's an overlap in those populations. But I think the thing that I've learned over the years is that the people who tend to wait until the last minute and think that they work best under pressure like that have really never experienced working in advance and they don't know how to work without anxiety. And so they're forced to use the physical deadline as the motivator instead of relying on their own desire to get things done and to do the work to motivate them ahead of time. When we talk about procrastination, it seems like a big word for something else that's going on, right? Is there something else going on underneath procrastination? Yeah, I, I personally don't like the word procrastination. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> um, it's a very long, laborious word with a lot of negative connotations. Really what is buried beneath every procrastination habit, I believe, is some element of fear. So you've got, you've just asked a great question. And I think procrastination on the surface may look like, oh, I'm running late. Oh, um, I haven't turned this in quite yet, but just wait for me. But the reason why time isn't being respected and adhered to is because some sort of underlying fear, like a fear of embarrassment or a fear of judgment or a fear of not being seen as competent. Of course, there are a million types of fears and there are a million different ways plus of procrastinating. So my, one of my suggestions to my clients is that when you feel the urge to procrastinate before you launch into it, just step back and take a minute or two 
to think, what am I afraid of? And then deal with the issue there rather than devoting another one or two hours to delay. Wow. You know, this is, it's sending off bells and whistles for me on a lot of levels. (laughs) When I have to do something I don't want to do, like when I have to go to an event I don't want to go to or something like that, you can find me deep in the back of my shoe closet rearranging things. Yes, yes. The shoe closet agrees with you and says, you know, come, come get me, come organize me. We like to see that in our lives. And that's why I'm concerned for people who are chronically procrastinating. They're moving from one activity to the next, but never really focusing on the activity that will give them that peace of mind, that will allow them to feel competent, that will make them look really organized and make them act really organized in the world. We're avoiding kind of our best our best work. And I want to go back to what you said at the beginning of this story with the shoe closet is that the idea that I don't want to do that, the idea that this event is going to be hard for you, that it's going to be too long, it's going to be too draining, there's going to be too many people, whatever it is. Again, it's that fear and it's the story that we're telling ourselves about the event that is making the procrastination kick into to action. It's not really the event itself. The event, you might actually have a good time at it, but it's that belief system that we've got going that we don't handle hard things easily. So I'm going to turn in another direction. And generally, there's a shoe closet that needs to be organized or something else. So there's always a filler thing to cover our anxiety. But the best thing to do from a psychological and well-being standpoint is to deal with your anxiety first. Wow. Wow. And I'm bringing to mind, too, the rescuers, the people that always have to go out and overdo and overgive and save somebody else, take care of somebody else's stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're very good people. uh, And a lot of them are procrastinators. I totally agree with you. I mean, you're making me laugh because the whole reason I had to design that workshop for procrastinators was I volunteered for that task. (laughs) Not everyone's going to raise their hand for something that they don't know how to do. But that was the kind of person I was at the time. I had no boundaries. I volunteered for everything despite not having enough time. And we get ourselves into trouble. We make our own trouble. And when you decide at a certain point in your life that you don't want any more unnecessary trouble, that's when the procrastination can really, you can start to chip away at it and you can start to breathe and live your best life. That's why I'm on the radio. That's why I'm writing things. That's why I'm blogging and doing workshops because I don't want people to spend the bulk of their life delaying what they really need to do, delaying those good feelings. We're delaying these good, good feelings of abundance, of success, of good fortune, of opportunity, of great social life, because procrastinators hide out most of the time. Yeah. They're, too, they're too embarrassed to leave the home. They feel too guilty to have fun. And again, I've been through the gamut there, so I'm hoping to help whomever needs my help in this area. And I want to encourage everyone to get rid of that taboo. So don't stay stuck in isolation and with no fun right. <laughs> um, home suffering because you don't need to anymore. And what about the people? I think they're procrastinators too. So procrastination, we're avoiding because of fear or something, the story we're telling ourselves. What about the people who only finish things like 97%? They get the job almost done and then they never finish it up. Same thing? 
I love your questions, by the way. And same thing. What do you mean by same thing? Is, the, is that the same thing as a procrastinator and avoider? I'm asking you precisely about my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... I would guess there is some element of procrastination there. If not procrastination, some fear. Another technique that I teach is you get in the habit of thinking to yourself, beginning, middle, end. And you want to smoothly transition through each phase. But we're not done until the clothes are folded and in the drawer, right? right. The laundry is not fully done until that. So, And you know this as the spouse, right? As the wife. I would say, yes, let's tie up those loose ends so they're not jangling around in our brains, cluttering our focus, putting us off our best game. Mental clarity is a humongous benefit of being human (laughs) and um, having these wonderful brains. Let's protect the force that is within us and let's not surround ourselves with physical or mental or emotional clutter. We can gradually learn that we're, you know, we're the, we're the managers of that wonderful brain. So we need to, we need to be on it. And 97% is not a hundred percent. And we need to get things to a hundred percent. That's my honey. He's a wonderful handyman and carpenter, but you know, there's always one last thing that needs to be done. (laughs) Kind of leave that. Right. You don't want to trip over that one nail, right? Right. Christine Lee is our guest. We're talking about procrastination. So give us some tips. Give us some advice. This is what you do. You help people along. Where would we start right now? I I guess we could even talk about maybe the people who haven't started holiday shopping or getting ready or things like that, right? Yes, yes. December really brings this material up for me. I would absolutely, at the beginning of December advise people one thing a day, one thing a day that you can predict can help the end of the month go much more smoothly to you. It doesn't have to be a big activity, a big show, a big action even, but that you're mindfully trying to envision how do you want the end of the year to go. And I'm a big fan of writing everything down because writing things down is kind of halfway there with a commitment that you're already starting to commit to it by seeing it in front of you. I also have a quick mnemonic that I teach people so that they always have some place to turn to when they feel like they're about to procrastinate. It's called the SMAC solution and S stands for simplicity. Just break everything down to its simplest components. Declutter the desk. Declutter the errands list. Do what's important and will give you the biggest payoff and don't worry about the rest. Um, M is for mindfulness. Always try to coach your mind to focus on what is actually going on in the present moment. Don't get lost in what you didn't do or what just happened or what's about to happen. Really focus on the strength of the moment and the power of the current moment. A stands for anxiety reduction. Fear underlies everything. So the best way to avoid procrastination is to just stay on top of your anxiety. Get that massage. Go to that therapy appointment. Write down your plans. Whatever steps you can do to make sure your anxiety stays at a very, very low level will be protective for you. C stands for communication. If we don't communicate with our spouses, the irritations continue, right? I think procrastinators make the mistake of becoming silent, becoming isolated, not telling their advisors that they're way behind on their work, being too embarrassed to admit that um, they're not going to be able to show up for class. Whatever it is, communication tends to solve the bigger problems, even the smaller problems tend to be averted when we communicate directly, openly, and honestly. Learn to do that if that hasn't been a habit for you. 
And lastly, but probably most importantly, K is kindness to self. If we are not patient and understanding and graceful, gracious with ourselves, it's going to be a jumble of feelings. It's going to be an, a, a string of apologies. It's going to be a, oh, why did I do that? It's, it's going to be slapping yourself on the head all the time instead of saying, okay, that didn't go so well, but let's try this over or let's get some help or let's do it a new way or let's revamp our attitude. So that's the SMAC solution. And the great thing is it works for anyone. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a lot of education. You don't even need a big plan. You just need to grab one of those concepts and mm. implement it today. And I think things will go smoother after that. Now, if you have been a procrastinator all your life, this is not going to be a simple turnaround. You're going to need some support, I would imagine, Christine. And do you offer that kind of support? Yes, I do. The easiest way to connect with me is online because I have a blog that's about five years old and a lot of free resources online for anyone who has a few, even a few minutes to explore this topic a little further. And that's at procrastinationcoach.com. And if you're interested in actual tools and templates to help you actually make some progress, you could go to procrastinationcoach.com slash free library, one word, no spaces. And there are 13 free downloadable resources for you. Some of my favorites are in there. There are planners. There's uh, links to free apps that you can use to help you get organized and keep your information all together and ready to go. Um, and uh, I do have a practice in Westchester, Lower Westchester, and also in Manhattan. If you're interested in having in-person help, I'm also available to guide people in that way. Christine Lee, find more at ProcrastinationCoach.com. So much help is waiting for you there. She's great. Now, let's take a look at that bloated belly of yours. The fact is, according to Tamara, the bloated belly whisperer, some very healthy foods can be really hard on your belly. What are we doing wrong? Well, I think one of the things we're doing wrong is really not listening to our bodies. And so one thing that a lot of my bloated patients will tell me is they can identify very specific either conditions of eating, like they let themselves get really, really hungry and then they kind of eat something and they end up really bloated or some other people know very specific meals that always seem to bother them or specific foods, but they continue to partake in those foods or partake in those patterns and sort of not pay attention to the messages that their bodies are telling them. Part of what I do as a dietitian is I listen to a patient and I listen to what they tell me. And then sometimes just hearing it played back can kind of be this moment where it's like, oh, right, that always hurts when I do that. Maybe I should try something different. It's so wonderful that you provide the service because we, your patients, have a tendency to lie to ourselves. I think so. And also, you know, there's this, this denial that, you know, sometimes good foods can feel bad. And so we're all, I think a lot of us are on this quest to be healthy and eat the right thing or be good with our diets. And we read about the latest food that we're supposed to be eating. And so kale salads we're supposed to be eating or, you know, cauliflower crusts and cauliflower rice and cauliflower everything. And, and so we feel like, oh, we should be doing this. We're supposed to be eating this. These are good for us. Ignoring the fact that sometimes good foods don't feel good for some people. And, you know, it's not a personal failing if a food bothers you, that it's okay not to eat things that don't feel good. There's plenty of other healthy foods that will probably feel better. So what should we do? Do you suggest journaling, food journals? 
sometimes, you know, I think the trick with journals is you have to know what to do with the data, right? And so writing down, you know, everything you eat and everything you feel is only helpful if you know what to do with that information. And I think a lot of people get stuck with that and they can't see the patterns. And so I think, you know, for someone like me, often what I'll do is I'll just start with a conversation and have a patient take me through a typical day in their life and really understand how symptoms will develop over the course of a day or in response to meals. Um, And if I can't quite pick up on the patterns just from that back and forth, then yeah, I will have someone write down their food and their symptoms for like a week or two and how they seem to relate. But the trick is I need to be the one to help them make sense of it because often we look at the same data and we draw very different conclusions about it. Let's go down your list. Will juicing help my bloated belly? Probably not. I mean, for some people, it certainly might, right? For someone whose bloating is coming from eating really heavy diet full of fat and overeating volume at every meal, I mean, certainly a temporary juice fast might feel better for someone like that. But I mean, unless you're going to only have juice for the rest of your life, I don't think that that's a permanent solution because once you go back to your old ways, you're going to feel bloated again. I think someone who's bloated because they don't absorb certain types of sugars and fructose is actually a pretty common one. Um, a juice fast will make them more bloated because a juice fast is really high in fructose. And so that kind of goes to the point that uh, I try to make in my book, which is different bloatings respond to different therapies, and this is not a one-size-fits-all kind of solution. We really need to understand what's going on in your individual body and tailor your eating to that. How do I know if I'm not absorbing certain types of sugars? So there are tests. There's objective medical tests for that. They're called breath tests, and they're non-invasive. They're not painful. You go into a doctor's office before you've eaten anything. You drink a sugar solution of lactose or fructose, and then you kind of breathe into a bag every 15 minutes for three hours, and then the gases on your breath will tell your doctor whether you've absorbed what you just drank. Wow. I have never heard about this. (laughs) <laughs> Can you do this test? Uh, we do it in our office, yeah. It's administered in my in my clinical practice. What are some of the other causes of this bloated belly then? If, if absorbing, not absorbing sugar is one of them, what are some of the other causes? I mean, I think it's helpful to think about causes of bloating in kind of two main buckets. And so the first one is, you know, causes that originate in your stomach or your upper gastrointestinal tract, um, and then causes that originate in your intestines, right? And so, for example, not absorbing certain sugars is a cause that would originate in your intestines. Other people have problems in their intestines like they're really, really constipated and kind of full of poop. (laughs) Call that the backed up bloat. And when you're full of poop, you're going to be bloated all the time and especially after you eat a big meal. Some people have too much bacteria living in their small intestines and they get really, really bloated within about 30 to 60 minutes of eating a, a wide variety of different types of foods that have different fibers and sugars and carbs in them. And so again, the trick is really to work with a knowledgeable health professional to, to develop some reasonable hypotheses, get the right test, get that diagnosis, because all of these conditions are treatable. Now, sugarless gum can be a culprit sometimes. It certainly can be. Um, The two issues with gum, so the first is when you chew any kind of gum, often you're prone to swallowing air. Um, And when we swallow air, there's only two ways to get it out of our system. You either have to burp it out or you have to fart it out. And it can be really, really uncomfortable before you're able to do that. So chewing gum in general, swallowing air can be bloating for people. And then the types of sweeteners that are typically used in sugarless gum, like sorbitol and xylitol, these are called sugar alcohols and human beings don't absorb them. Um, And so what happens is those become these poorly digested, 
sugars that wind up in your colon and the bacteria that live there make a lot of gas from them and they can be really, really gassy um, and in large amounts they can have a bit of an uncomfortable laxative effect as well. Tamara, I would like you to take a bow. You're the first person to ever, ever say fart on the Shine On Show. Oh my gosh, really? I say it at least 20 times a day at work. I'm applauding you. I'm applauding you. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> now, what is it in cauliflower that might disrupt my little belly? So cauliflower has a natural type of sugar alcohol called mannitol, which is similar to the types of sugar uh, sugar alcohols that are in sugarless gum. Um, and mannitol is not really well absorbed by human beings. We just don't have receptors to absorb it. We don't have enzymes to break it down. And so it's a sort of a naturally occurring type of sugar that our bodies just can't process. Um, and some people can find it really gassy and some people don't. And so it's objectively healthy, but some people find it gassy. And especially nowadays with a lot of the lower carb diets and the ketogenic diets where cauliflower is just such a staple, uh, I see a lot of people now eating a whole lot more of it than I typically had seen in the past. And so it can be really bloating depending if, on how much you're eating. So our first thing to do is pick up your book, The Bloated Belly Whisperer. So. That's number one. Yeah. Go see that you in right. Nyack. That's number two. And uh, <laughs> what's your go-to food that keeps you not bloated and feeling great? Um, again, I mean, for everyone, it's different. Um, I think for me, you know, foods that are rich in a type of fiber called soluble fiber, for me personally, I find really kind of easy to tolerate and for many of my patients seem to agree with them the most. Um, and those are foods like oats and oatmeal um, are typically really regulating and they're not particularly gassy. Other foods that have soluble fiber are things like oranges and clementines. A lot of people do well with them. Um, avocados for many people are are pretty easy to handle um, and so uh, squashes are great people do really well with squashes and these are typically some of the safer foods uh, that a lot of uh, my patients seem to uh, they're healthy but people seem to digest them pretty well okay here come the holidays and all the parties we should avoid what to keep our bellies nice and happy we should avoid coming to a holiday party starving because all sorts of mayhem can happen when you show up hungry at <laughs> a holiday party. You eat too much too quickly. Your stomach is really acid when you start eating, and so sometimes it can cause a sort of acid indigestion from sort of dumping a whole lot of stuff on that empty acid stomach. Holiday party food is typically really rich, and so all that fatty stuff. And so the more of that you're eating, um, the, the more trouble you're likely to get into, and you're more likely to overeat if you show up starving. Um, I also think we should avoid drinking alcohol on an empty stomach. That never feels good. So those are a couple tips that I, I have my patients just be on the lookout for. Beautiful. Where can we go for more information? I have a website. It's thebloatedbellywhisperer.com, and there's just more information about the book, which comes out later this month. And once the book comes out later this month, I'll be posting the, the diagnostic quiz from the book on my website. And so people can kind of take a sneak preview of the quiz and help maybe narrow down what could be causing their bloating. And then the book offers all sorts of solutions for each type of bloating. That's Tamara duker Foyman, The Bloated Belly Whisperer. Visit thebloatedbellywhisperer.com. Don't you feel better already? 
Thanks for tuning in today. Coming up, we will continue to shine on. There's going to be another healing circle for women who have been assaulted or traumatized, even if it was a long time ago. This is happening soon, December 16th, 2 to 4 in the afternoon at the Mariendale Center in Ossining. Come, exhale. You don't have to say a word. Come, drop the bag of rocks you've been carrying around. I promise you will feel better for the holidays. Find more at kc.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. And you know what else you can find there? Information about the women's retreat we are having in March. Maybe you want to give that to yourself for a gift this holiday season. There's also Reiki gift certificates for sale, which is a nice gift too. And there's sure to be plenty of events popping up all winter long, so be sure to check the calendar at Casey.co. And you know, as we head into a new year, if there's any topics that you can think of that you'd like me to cover on the Shine On Show, why don't you drop me a line and let me know? I'd love to hear more about what you're interested in and maybe get the perfect guest to answer your questions. Thank you for that. And finally, our thought for the day is from an American journalist, Sidney J. Harris, who was popular in the 40s. He said, when I hear people sigh, life is hard, I'm always tempted to ask, compared to what? Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.